James Corris of American Whip Appeal, the Glue Whip Appeal, Whip Appeal, uh, lots of appeals and whips and puck trucks, brainwave bionics, someone else's blood, and author of American Light Beer. How's it going, man? All right. Awesome. Awesome. Also, let's see, we got, there was a band called Buy Cadillac, played one show. Okay. And uh, also, subsequently, Don't Buy a Cadillac, which I never played any shows. Oh, shit. What was the uh, Buy a Cadillac show? That show was, I played that, it was uh, Christmas Eve, or maybe Christmas Day, probably around 2010, played at uh, the uh, legendary and lost Murray Levy's basement r.i.p murray levy and uh it was uh just i played it was just uh, one piece i played drums and casio kind of like that someone else's blood show one mm. of someone else's blood shows cool. mm-hmm. so where, where are you located right now mr course right, right now i'm at the love bluff farm in uh beautiful savannah tennessee been down there longer than you were down in New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably, probably about the same amount of time. And, damn. Yeah, that's great. It's beautiful here. We're pretty far out. We got about 20 acres, half of which is dedicated 
performing and half of which is dedicated to um, modern exploration. I see. So have you been able to bring any of your techniques, you know, for people that don't know, you're, you're a little bit in the the gardening, landscaping kind of business for a while, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been, I've been uh, getting dirty since, 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 uh, since an early, you know, since a very big age of probably three years old, played in the dirt. So it's, it feels pretty natural, although there's a lot more sun here than I would prefer. I like to work in the shade whenever possible. That's right. And it's hard when you're, when you're trying to grow a crop or cash. To, to worry too much about staying in the shade. Yeah, yeah so, man. sure. As you say, uh, to go back a little bit, you were playing in New Orleans. Like, what uh, what venues were you playing at? Well, we were playing, um, for, for Feb, the month of February, we had two weekly gigs. One Monday nights at, um, Duke's, which is uh, the bar attached to uh, the greater uh, institution known as Bogler Theater and School, which uh, is run by my good friend David Williams, the Prince of New Orleans. Uh, it's um, two buildings, actually, in uh, the Central Business District of New Orleans, and on the first floor of one is a theater, and on the first floor of the other is, is a cafe and bar and courtyard. And so we're playing there Monday nights. There's a, um, a pond in the courtyard. Cool. Yeah. The water's kind of cold, but it's uh, probably cleaner than a lot of the water down there. Uh, and then on Friday nights, we were playing at, on the other end of town, at Bobor, at, uh, at Bar Redux. Classic. Oh, yeah, I that place. Classic. Which is a great bar. We've been playing there. We played there, we did a month of Friday nights there last year, and a few nights there the year before, so we've been working with that place for a few years now, and it's been awesome there. Both, both places treated us really nice. Yeah, it's awesome. I was going to say, uh, I think we walked one night, uh, I think we walked by that place, but I think we, it was like during the day or something, but I remember you telling us about it. it yeah, was, they usually don't open until like 6, I think. It was oh, quite good, yeah. near the end of the world, eh? That's right. Yeah, it's right there by the tracks, which is cool because we play out in the courtyard and, and uh, the train rolls by sometimes. Yeah, really cool. We had, we had a great, our last show that we played there was a Sunday, actually a Sunday afternoon, or Sunday evening, and we played with this great band called Slow Motion Cowboys out of Las Cruces, New Mexico, slash San Francisco, California. So my boy Pete Fields there, and he came in from on tour, and we played there, and then, and we did a, and then we did another set, both bands, the following day on the radio, this excellent station called WHIV, uh, oh yeah! And all wars. You sent me that. Yeah. That was yeah. That's. Did you, did you catch it? I didn't catch it, and I don't. I don't know if they had the had archives. Um, I would have yeah, loved to though. Yeah, they archived it, but I think we recorded it. 
Oh, perfect. Um, uh, and then that was really cool because we played like we had been playing. It was cool to do two shows a week. It was tough because we would play a show. I mean, I said Monday and Friday, but what it really felt more like was Friday and Monday. So you know, we'd play Friday night and uh, have a good old time, and then Saturday roll around, you know, and then you got Sunday, and then next thing you know, it's Monday. And you're playing another show, and to have only two days off between shows, like that was. I think we did like uh, that was overlapped. They overlapped like three weeks, which is six. I mean, I guess just six shows, which would be less than you were if you were playing on tour, if you were on tour playing every night. But it definitely was. Yeah. It was interesting and kind of exhausting, but really fun because we would try to do sort of the um, the uh, Redux shows. Janya, the one of the owners there, she was, you know, she was really she was more of a rock and roll head, and um, so we would try to, you know, appease her and, and do uh, do a little bit of a more raucous set Friday nights, you know, and then on Monday nights we would we would lay back a little bit more and maybe um, sit a little heavier on the country, the country music. We just try to play the songs. Some, you know, play different songs or play the songs differently, which is something we've always tried to do, but it has definitely made more uh, stark when you're doing it. Oh, yeah. Did, did you guys, did you find that, you know, were you, were you working on some some newish material or sticking to the old classics while you were down there playing? Uh, we worked on a bit of new, like, we would have, we've had band practice sometimes, um, at the place where me and Lily and Billy were living, uh, you know, until the neighbor started banging on the wall. Um, we wrote a couple a couple new songs, but I don't know if many of them really stuck. Uh, but we mainly just, I guess, we mainly played older stuff, but we tried to, to rework it into something, you know, constantly trying to rework so that the stuff stays interesting to us and mm-hmm. nobody else. But the last show we played down there, we were supposed to play at this, uh, like, speakeasy kind of place. Well, I don't know. It was actually not a speakeasy because it was... They do this weird thing where they'll give you a liquor license for one weekend out of the month uh, down there. And so there's this place that that was, like, this sort of a house but had, like, a a venue-type thing situated in the back. And they would do one weekend of shows every month. And we had a... This was actually the week, so we played with with so much covers on Sunday and Monday on the at Redux and on the radio, and then that Saturday we were supposed to play at this place, the Backyard Ballroom. But between the time of Monday and Saturday, the the stage was shutting down, so we ended up playing on Saturday. We played at this true speakeasy called Bar F, which normally happens on Tuesday nights, but uh, it's just this little shack behind someone's house with a piano in it and that show we played uh it was for most of the show it was just me and billy and lily billy on bass and lily on drums and me on guitar and we played and we wrote like all new songs that week for that show in like two days we had we had two practices and wrote like 10 new songs did you record any of that i'm not sure I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I hope we did, but I think we didn't. 
Yeah. I'm not sure if that's going to have a chance to happen again anytime soon. Um, sounds really cool. It was great. It was way, like, way more rock and roll. Um, we were listening. Billy, Billy was hugely influential with that. Billy, Billy's, you know, he's the best dancer in, in, in the world. Um, and he's got, uh, a keen ear for rhythm, which mm. is really interesting having a bass player that's like specifically, uh, conscious of rhythm, like outweighing, outweighing melody. Um, like playing playing the bass more like a percussion instrument than than like a melodic instrument, and so we were working a lot more with like uh, you know just like I guess New Orleans, which is like you know Cajun and Creole and uh, like like just like and just rock like you know jazz and rock and roll beats like rhythms that I would have a really hard time recreating, but when Billy would lay it down, we were able to. I was able to stumble along behind him. So was that like uh, you said? So that was right before kind of like the shit hit the fan. Was that like March? I don't know, like fourteenth or something. Uh, yeah. Well, I actually got a calendar here. I got the. You guys got the free witch? Any? Either of you guys got the free witch calendar? Uh, uh no, I don't think. I don't think. Wish I, I did. Gave either of you one of them. Which is uh, the um, press. James, I think you're breaking up a little bit. A lot of the different uh, artists that are involved, including Lily Fine and uh, Emma Silverstein, aka Emma Bones, who did the art for the most recent, or the, the Glue and Whip Appeal record. So the last show we played was the 14th, yeah, Saturday, wow, March 14th, at Bar F, and that was uh, six days before the city of New Orleans uh, uh, offered people to stay home, and then Lily and I left two days after that, so March 22nd. William and James arrived at Love Book Arms. Oh, wow. And now it's June. And this weekend's the solstice. Longest yeah. day of the year. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, does the sun go down around what time over in your parts? Well, it's, it's setting right now, but I'm an hour earlier than you guys. Uh, so I guess the sun goes down. I mean... What time is it? Seven thirty here. I'll probably be late for another hour. Yep. But I'm usually in bed by nine thirty or ten. Oh wow! Get it? You gonna get up early for the farm? Yeah, we get up early because it's easy to work. During, so we work in the mornings right. and then hang out during the day, play guitar and cut wood. Nice. Uh huh. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So have you been in touch with um, people back in New Orleans and how uh, seen how those uh, venues and bars are doing now? Everything. Well, I think things are. When I went down there. I had to move my. I left a bunch of shit in this apartment I've been staying in. Shouts out to Uncle Ken, uh, who uh, let me and Billy and Lily stay in this apartment for free. 
uh, which was great. And but we left some stuff there when we left town, so I had to go back down and, and clear it out because he was doing some work in the apartment. And they were just starting to like consider reopening. I think that they're allowing like uh, bars that serve places that serve food. They're they're allowing to open at like limited capacity. Um, mm. Right. But in terms of shows and stuff, I'm not sure. I, I don't imagine. Well, I don't yeah, know. I'd say because yeah. I think probably not shows, but like, right. I don't know. Like a lot of like, um, a lot of just like restaurants and and like places have music just happening all the time there. So I would be curious to know how much of that's going on. But um, all the contact I have with people that are still there are mostly just sort of laying low. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, and I, I guess there's nothing, nothing happen, no shows happening up in Boston, huh? No, not that, not that I know of. Um, yeah, no, I haven't heard anything. Um, yeah, I mean, we just, what was it, just a couple weeks ago, they started reopening stuff as far as, like, limited capacity with, like, restaurants and uh, still outdoor, too, just outdoor stuff. There's nothing that I know of that's indoor. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, legally or whatever, but, uh, right. that being, I honestly, like, I barely left my neighborhood at all, just, or, like, I've walked around town, but I haven't really gone, in. I haven't gone anywhere, the only place I've been to is a liquor store, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, 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 but, uh, just playing the records and shit, <laughs> you know, and, uh, chilling right and low, like you said, working, working from mm-hmm. home, Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. But yeah, uh, uh, unfortunately, don't have any records down here. But uh, the, okay. there's some there's some great. Well, we don't have electricity. Oh shit! Wow. So, uh, but we have some radios, and there's some really killer radio stations here. There's like uh, some radio out of um, uh, Florence, which is right by Muscle Trolls, which is famous for the Muscle, Muscle Shoals, both the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio and also Fame Recording Studio, which right. is like, uh, Muscle Shoals has the Swampers, as Leonard Skinner famously said. Um, it's a really interesting place because it's this, like, Muscle Shoals itself is, like, not even really a town. It's sort of like a strip, one, like, kind of like one big strip mall. Um, hmm. And... But they're nestled among, like, you know, uh, O'Reilly's Auto Parts and um, Walmart. There's this studio called, you know, Fame Studio, Fame Recording Studios, which is like a legendary, legendary recording studio where, like, so they, I think they call it the Motown of the South. Um, and that's, you know, like, uh, like the Stones went there. Bob Dylan recorded his um, his Christian uh, four record Christian trilogy there. Uh, and I guess so. I guess what I heard was that uh, they were you know people like they would come there from Memphis. It's like two hours from Memphis. It's just south of here, and they would um, you know come there because they had this you know top line recording studio, but also it was nothing really going on so they could start hide out but how far is that from memphis it's about two hours it's just south of here just over the over the tennessee alabama border Hmm. also 
also down there is um, this great the headquarters of Arkham uh, Records, which is run by a friend of mine named Jamie and Katie, uh, who and their son Billy, um, and they uh, have like a little um, like screen printing shop and. And they put out records from this little shop in uh, Florence, Alabama. And that's how I uh, got in touch with this band, Slow Motion Cowboys, that I mentioned earlier. Because oh. they uh, they got their records put out in Arkham. Interesting connection. Hey, mm-hmm. do you want to tell the world a little bit of the story of the limo? And I'm curious to know what what came of if you because I know when you first got it before you left to go down to New Orleans you had aspirations of possibly a a limo business of some variety right. uh, did that right. ever pan out or just how was the ride down to New Orleans and all that good stuff well everything I'll, I'll, I'll begin the story at the end which is that the limo is here and uh running pretty well I was actually living living out of it for the first uh, few for the first like month and a half or almost probably two months that I was here oh boy. which is kind of tough because you can't really sit up straight in the back when you have the bed stretched out in there but I bought that I've always I had I, I had had limo aspirations for a while because I had this idea in my head that booking a tour with a limo would be really easy you know I've tried to be in bands that I thought were good before and it's still really hard to book a tour even if your music's good and so I thought I had this idea that if you had a really big car then people would just book you anywhere (laughs) Um, unfortunately something I didn't count on was uh, the fact that well A uh, the parking's pretty tough and B, uh, they won't. Um, so when we, Lily and I toured down in New Orleans, we played, uh, I think a total of one show. Um, and I had to, I had to put money in two meters. Oh boy. Uh, but it was kind of, it was a little bit of a nerve wracking trip down, I have to say, because I bought this car for 600 bucks out of the parking lot. And, um, about like I bought it on Halloween so I had two months to get the car and it had been sitting not running for like anywhere between one and five years it was unclear um and so I had two months to get it roadworthy yeah and I did the kind of I, I, I don't I hesitate to say it was the best I could do um but it, it was I had I had kind of never really driven it um, I had driven it like around town a tiny bit, but for all intents and purposes, I had not driven this car um, previous to embarking on a week-long, you know, 1,800-mile uh, journey. And so I was nervous. Um, yeah, that's not a laughing matter. But luckily, the more I drove it, the better it ran. Uh, which I think is 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 true about a lot of the 
vehicles. I think, you know, cars are, are meant to be, you know, they're meant to be driven. And the other thing they hate most is sitting around. Oh, yeah. You'd be happy to know that my dad just reached 800,000 miles on his truck. That's insane. I am incredibly happy to hear that, and I still have a really hard time believing it. That's insane. I've never heard of a car with that many miles. Yeah, he's he's got to be in some sort of... There must be, like, a top... Didn't you say that when he reaches a million miles, they're going to give him a new car? Yep. Huh. I wonder, I wonder what you would do about that, because I feel like... He drive and he bought the car new. He bought the car new back in two thousand five, so it's fifteen years That's old. Insane. And this, this, the Lincoln here, the limo is is an eighty eight, and it's only got sixty thousand miles on it. That's crazy. Wow. Well, so I drove it. Yeah, we drove it. Lily and I drove it down to New Orleans, and um, I got some people inquiring about renting it out. But I never really, pretty soon after we got there, mm-hmm. Carnival was heating up, and I kind of just, uh, it, I, I just, I kind of decided by default, if nothing else, to, to um, keep it registered as a pleasure vehicle and, um, and, no. and avoid any sort of laborship yeah. uh, distinction. No commerce. No. Can't blame you on that one, man. Really can't. Although I did, I did participate in a parade down there um, with the Lincoln. We, uh, uh, my friend John Prine here, who's here at the farm with me, he and I built a stage out of all like recy- found and recycled wood, which was really a, an incredible thing to do to to um, be in New Orleans and to hop out of a dumpster with an armload of two-by-fours and throw them on the roof of a Lincoln limousine mm-hmm. and drive away. I think, I feel like I contributed to the uh, spirit of insanity that grips that city when doing, when doing such a thing. Gave a few thrills. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we built this, so we built a, a, a like a, uh, like an 18-foot stage that sat on the roof of the Lincoln and we ran some jumper cables from the battery under the hood. One of the batteries, there's two batteries, ran from the battery to an inverter on the passenger seat. And from that extension cord up to the roof and had a, had like a seven piece um, experimental noise band riding on the roof of the Lincoln playing uh, live electric rock and roll music. Uh, Damn. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. You guys, how do you acquire your your beer? Uh, we go to uh, usually Walmart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Savannah, Tennessee is like for all like commerce purposes is completely open at this point. When I got here. In March, there were like five confirmed cases of COVID, and I think now there's something like like twenty or thirty. Um, so it's like it's pretty. It's still pretty in the in the county rather um, here in Hardin County. 
So there's like, you know, I mean, the employees are wearing masks at, at Lowe's and, um, and uh, Walmart, but there's not a lot of like, I don't know, it's been so slow here that I think a lot of people, in, when you live, like living out in the country, people sort of, I think, um, it, see, it sort of seems like a city problem. Mm. It's hard to like, it's hard to like, it's been really strange to reconcile like the, uh, the news I'm reading on the internet and like the things I'm hearing from my friends with my, with my experience here. Um, and with the attitudes of the people that I've interacted with, like neighbors and such, um, which I think is, is indicative of like a lot of, of like political differences also, you know, you like, and, and like and and uh, opinions if you can call them that on like environmental changes and such I think when you're when you when you don't when you don't um, witness it firsthand it's kind of hard to ratify it mm. oh I see so almost like being out there is a different since it's a different environment they they don't the pe- a lot of the people living down there don't really see how the city or they don't, they might not even would you say maybe not even really care about what's going on in the cities well i think you can care i mean i think uh, that's yeah you you can like care on a, on a um on like a theoretical level <laughs> yeah um which some people probably don't but some people probably do but i think to like act on that um, to like make that a reality for yourself is is different I, there is pretty interesting there is a um, like about a week or so ago there was a um, a protest in um, I, in Savannah which is a you know small town that I'm living living outside of in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and you know protests around George Floyd and it's really interesting to go to. Um, it was small. There was probably like at most a hundred people there. Um, definitely very different from protests I've been to in Boston or DC or New Orleans. Um, yeah. Uh, definitely like like there was a lot of like like you know not all cops are bad and like all lives matter sort of rhetoric, um, which was off-putting a little bit to me um not that i'm like like uh actively radical in, um in like a traditional sense um or in like a you know concrete political sense but but i still thought it was really it was really cool that that like had made it this far to like this small town um and that people did show up and that and that um you know there was still there were still voices to be heard. Yeah. Because I think, you know, it's obvious you know, the that that the issues are, that people are talking about are are, are re- totally relevant in this town. Um yeah. like race relations in the South and in, you know, Savannah specifically, like are like absolutely <laughs> problematic and real. Mm-hmm. Um but it's definitely but I don't think that it's like talked about in the same way as it is in cities especially northern cities so it's cool to have that happen yeah and to be there that's very inspirational that to hear of that happening down there that 
like you said, it's very it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, glad to hear that. Like you said, it's uh, reached you know even like a smaller towns and stuff like that, and uh, at least puts a little bit of uh, positivity. At least that uh, it, you know gives me some optimism that uh, people care. You know, um, that cause it, I feel like there's so many times when people don't really, and, you know, about a lot of these things that. Uh, Yeah, and it's definitely you know, in a lot of time, a lot of places easier to, to. I mean, probably in most places easier to not do anything. Yeah, and you know, yeah. it's like, in in like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm conscious of this this small town aspect of this of showing up to a place like this, you know, because there's like, apparently, you know, it's like there's people like know people, and I mean, I don't know shit. I've only been here a couple months, but like, through what I've heard, there's like you know, people in town like know who we are and what we're doing out here and and like you know I mean to some extent they've made some stuff up and I think they probably think we're like a little more satanic than we actually are <laughs> yeah but um but you know it's it's you know aware of, of it's hard it's you know I'm, I, I experienced some of this like this this fear of of participation in these sorts of things where you're like you know we're worrying about like I, I, and I think I don't know it's different and like when you're in a city a big city it's like it's easier to blend in but you're also it's also like more dangerous because you know cops can be more vicious and, and, and blend in also um, but like the fear of participating in these sorts of things I <clears throat> have a lot of respect for people that you know, are, are out there um, participating when when people are getting, you know, shot at and, and tear gassed and stuff. And I didn't, ha- I didn't have any of those concerns, obviously, here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So, let's, let's... Uh... You guys think about Pins and Plants in? Is that the old roommates? You want me to move out this truck? I'm, I'm, participa- I'm participating in some uh, some digital content. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll help you carry them. I'm ready to go help do some stuff. All right. All right, we can do an intermission. Can we do an intermission and continue? Because I'm just starting to get drunk, so I'd like to continue. Yeah, uh, how long would you need an intermission? Call me back in like 15 minutes. All right. We're down. Okay, cool. All right.
suburb of Boston there. And we were doing a good amount of music, like pretty insularly, like locally there in Newton, doing shows uh, with bands from my high school in Newton South and the other high school in Newton North, uh, doing shows at the Hyde Center, the Community Center, and uh, the YMCA and stuff. Um, and and then we started at some point doing shows, just like booking our own, like bands booking our own shows, like at uh, like Middle East upstairs, and um, uh, what was that place called? The Tuki the Bears and the Lily Pad, and mostly we were just doing it with like other bands from Newton, which was weird because I always felt sort of strange asking, you know, sort of promoting, if you want to call it that, and encouraging people to come to shows when they had to take trains or or drive and pay money. Um, And, you know, nobody was even, couldn't even buy a beer at the bar at that time. Um, So, I don't know, that was, yeah, and so I think mostly, I was like, I don't know, it's a pretty, I guess in certain ways, it's pretty strong, like Newton-based music scene. Um, and it took a long time, I think, to, to for the me and the bands that I was playing in and seeing to like expand into the greater Boston area. Um, and like, yeah, like hard, I was, always felt really, hard to book or, or play or even go to shows that were like part of a greater or wider community. And so I think that was like for a long time, that was, was like Newton based. And then when I started playing, when I with the, with the fuck trots, when we did start playing uh, with like, you know, um, we would play a couple, we played like a couple hassle shows. We opened for, we played with juice box, I remember. In an early show we played at uh, the Video Underground in, in JP. Um, but even then, it was like it was like easier to play shows. It was easier to book shows in New York than it was in Boston. Wow! So like for that band, at least like like we, we played in New York City, or like we'd play out in Western Mass, where I was where I was college at UMass, or our shows at Hampshire. Um, we played more shows out of town than we ever were in Boston. And I don't know, I mean, maybe that's my own fault for being more concerned with shows that my own band was playing and, and trying to, like, um, see other bands. Um, but it definitely was a long time coming to, like, be, um, like, integrated at all into, like, any sort of regular um, Boston playing and seeing just to go back, how old were you when you were doing like uh, the Newton the Newton stuff? You said like so I was high high school. Food. Yeah, in high school. So probably like I mean, I mean we were, I played at uh, played at like the Middle East upstairs probably when I was like you know probably in like uh, like two thousand six or something oh, like wow. that, which was like you know they would give you like a they would give you like a 
you know, a, a matinee, like a Sunday Barbarian joined the band on bass, Buck Palace played slide guitar, and, and then moved to 
bunch of drums. And we started this band as a country band after the first time I came south. Realized country music was moving up. And, uh, but we would just sort of record and play in our basement. And then when, when the band, when I started this band with the Sandman and, and Rat Walsh, we were looking for a name and I, I thought of, I want, I loved the name with the film so much. And he said, you know, you know, we're just sort of sitting around in that basement. You know, if you want to begin, if you're going to have a band that can actually play shows, like that, had to take the name. Yeah. But, so, which made sense also because I I got the name from Rat Walsh originally when uh when I was on when the Fuck Drops, which was the band with me and, and the Sandman and Rat, we were on tour in 2012. We did that. You know, we we disregarded all night and and booked a full U.S. tour as our first tour. We played like probably like eight shows. You know, we went all the way to California. And, I went out to or- we went out to Portland and down to LA and back to Boston and probably played a total of, we were on the road for like three weeks and probably played a total of eight shows and <laughs> and one day uh, we're in the car and Brad turns to me and goes hey, you know this band Wizzapeel you know this band Wizzapeel we've never heard of it I love the name and then a few days later you know he's like it's a good band and then a few days later I was thinking of that and I was trying to find him on the internet and I couldn't find him anywhere and I, I was asking him about it I was like what's the deal with that thing you're talking about what's the deal and he had no idea what I was talking about you know he was like I don't remember he was like I remember telling you that I never said anything I've never heard of such a band about but I don't know I'm not sure if he was tripping or I was sleeping or well yeah. it seems like it, it went it came full circle because Whip Appeal didn't really have that much of an online presence. That's true, yeah. Yeah, no, we don't have very much of an online presence. I don't know. Yeah, I like, I'm not really that interested in spending that much time on the internet, and so it's hard to, uh, like, do that sort of thing. And I've been thinking about that now, you know, we we're talking about shows and you and Boston shows aren't really happening in New Orleans. And, you know, I hear about these, these artists doing like you know online shows but i'm not sure part i mean i think part part of it is just my own insecurity and like an unwillingness to like to like put in the effort but i just i don't feel really that interested in um in that yeah well you have Um, that that set that you did at the telethon the telethon the telethon james course said that's that's up on the old YouTube, if anyone wants to oh, see. Oh yeah, the ha- for the hassle. Yeah. Yeah, well that was great because I didn't do anything. I just <laughs> it was like there was a bunch of people like doing this cool thing and they invited me to come participate and all I had to do was show up and and you know drink a couple beers and, and play a couple songs. And it's cool. And I really enjoyed that. I mean this like this is what we're doing now is probably the most like active in terms of I mean I'm in terms of like you know wider uh performance mm-hmm. that I've done in a long time I'm mostly you know playing uh playing for my uh farm mates or you know we would go across down up the river a little bit uh Mr. D- Mr. David Hurt 
neighbor who has a little camp up, up the river and, and we go up there sometimes on the weekends and and have fires and drink beers and you know, I'll play a show or I mean you know, I'll play some songs. Mm-hmm. But I usually only get get one or two songs in before the moonshine starts to hit me and I can't really remember any of the songs I wrote. Oh, so there's some some moonshine culture. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, um, um, uh, wildcat. Wow. Ah. Wildcat, the wildcat, the shine here. Homegrown, you know. Yeah. I'm young, but homegrown is all right with me. Wouldn't be surprised if you bumped into the old Frank Hurricane. You never know where he is, right? He could be. Yeah, he's, he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But. Well, I'm trying to be everywhere, but I think mainly I'm just here. Do you have any plans to... I know you're, you know, you're not the planning kind, but any rough estimates of when you think you would journey back up to... to Boston? talking about that fest last year yes and it's already yeah, so I think, around I think the corner any moves are made it's going to be not to Boston but to France yeah oh. can't blame you on that one that's but yeah, like you said you'll have to talk to to Hannah Barbarian at really time absolutely I know if we're actually going to go yeah or rather I'm going to have to talk to them <laughs> We can talk to them too. Yeah, you guys should talk to them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we should be in the We'll be behind you. We'll be behind you in the limo. Uh huh. There you go. Yeah, yeah, the Lincoln's good. I, you know, the Lincoln is sort of the, ca- it's the Cadillac of cars. And, um, and it's been running great. And, and it was really, it's really cool to, you know, I never, I never really understood, I mean, I always, like, loved cars and, and, and loved, like, certain types of cars, but I was, was more interested in, like, shit boxes and old, old cars and stuff, and, but, but, but my experience with this car in New Orleans was really incredible and eye-opening, like, the, the kinds of, like, when you drive a, when you drive a car, like, 
and Jared Crowe is 22 feet long, um, made in America and, and white and square. Mm-hmm. You know, you really start to, like, people, people feel the license to just sort of come up and talk to you, which is great. Even, especially, you know, even in a city like New Orleans where, like, people are, are like, open to talking to each other anyway. But, like, with the kind of, the kind of community that's, like, formed just over driving a cool car, it's really incredible. You know, you're just driving down the street and at a stoplight, pull up to a stoplight, and, and someone rolls down their window and starts telling you about the car that, that you know, that their father drove in the 80s, and it's similar to the car you drove in. <laughs> um, just the just like the 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 in community when you're participating in a, in such a thing is really interesting. Mm. That is very. Interesting. I don't know what it, I don't know what it would be like to go back to a to a regular car after this. I don't think you can. I don't know that I can. You're just gonna talk. See how long this thing rides. Talk it out. You'll get him back. Have you been doing, speaking of cars, since you are a self-proclaimed, um, actually I forget what the word is. I don't know if it's self-proclaimed or I use uh, dictionary.com look for a synonym. Back when we were doing the old press for American Light Beer, your novel. Uh, which is definitely about beer and cars to some extent, but have you been doing any writing of any sorts in your time down south? Well, not, not really any uh, formal writing. Um, we wrote some songs, you know? Mm-hmm. When, Lily, when Lou was here, we wrote about five excellent songs. Um, and I got a few more under my belt since she's been gone. But uh, it's hard to find a pencil sometimes. Mm. So I haven't been able to really write stuff down a lot. So I'm looking for I'm looking for pencils. So if anybody's got some pencils they want to send out here. They don't have them at Walmart? Yeah. Yeah, they probably do. <laughs> they probably do. But if anyone... Uh, <laughs> but actually, I think Lily's up in Massachusetts right now, so I might try to get her to get my, grab my typewriter and see if she'll bring it back down to me. But, uh, but in terms of, like, anything long form, definitely not. But I would like to, I was, I was thinking about math. I'd like to write a book about math. Matt? Like my sister just wrote a book about about uh, uh, tidying tidying up called cleaning up mm. about organization sort of a philosophy book about about uh, cleanliness and organization. Oh, I'll... I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure if it's out yet, but if it is, it's on Free Ridge Press. Yeah, I'll have to stay tuned for that. I like that, I like the sounds of it. And I'm, and I'm still waiting, Glenn, on your book. Which you've threatened to send to me. Oh yeah, have you know what? I'll include some some pencils with it. Okay, cool. It'll be like an exchange. I think there's free 
Some lows? Some lows? Okay. We'll see what we can do. I mean, any shape or size really is cool. I like pencils. I prefer pencils to pens. The thing about pens is you look at a pen and you can't tell if it's got any ink in it, you know? Good point. With a pencil, you know what you're getting into when you pick it up. You can feel it. You can see it. You can tell. Absolutely. Hey, so what was your... Any fun memories over the years of the farm? You mean with Dr. Ennis? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Ennis. For sure. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the farm. Mm-hmm. Because, of, yeah, ah, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, that was, a, that was a fine place. That was nice. That was, that was the first first place in Boston where I was able to, where I was really, like, felt really comfortable and, like, friendly and, like, you know, intimate enough with the people that were running a space to, to basically do whatever I wanted anytime I wanted. And Dr. Ennis there was very forgiving and very um, accommodating and uh, a lot, basically allowed, allowed me to, like, and play shows there like almost any time I wanted to mm-hmm. which is really cool because it allowed me to like to branch out a little more you know I um, was able to for bands that from out of town I was able to actually put on shows for, for people and you know people would show up there and they get put money down and I was able to like uh, help actually like foster and, and like um, you know progress in a, in a, in a space. Yep. Yeah, um, no, definitely. So, Keep so going. I was, thrilled about, I was thrilled about that place. I think Dr. Ennis has since moved on a little southerly and, and is, and is um, doing more horse stuff now than, than rock and roll stuff. Yeah, he was always about the horses, which I loved. Right, horses for horses. Horses for horses. <laughs> Down on his own little island in Rhode Island or whatever. Makes sense. Make, makes sense. Is the uh, farm? It all makes it's all, it's all making sense now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. We're yeah. All, yeah. We're all moving from the proverbial farm to the literal farm. Yeah. <laughs> Every damn day. Yeah. No, I like that. I love that house. That was wrong. Um, they, they were still doing. They called it. They changed it to like last house, which I think it was before that, like way back.
is a whole different story. I mean, that, you know, I, I don't mean um, even even that place down there we were playing Dukes. That wasn't even what they called it. I mean, we were, they had some other names for the bar, but but we just called it Dukes. It seems. Do you, would you say the the playing shows down there are just it's always to me very fascinating when you you know talk about playing on a Friday or a Monday and the vibe just seems a little bit more like it was welcoming and you know I don't know if it was just the connections that you had and you know a right place and right time thing but to me that. I feel like maybe that wouldn't necessarily happen up here, principally because there's nothing really like that. That's sort of like a bar where you, you know, can play or like there's like a little speakeasy somewhere, just it or you know someone, you know someone's yard or whatever, a little attachment. It just seems like I don't know if if I'm. Stop me if I'm sound making it seem more like a fantasy place, but it really does seem magical. No, it is a it is a fantasy. It's completely a fantasy place, and uh, I don't know. I would say like, don't go <laughs> unless you go, and if you go, then go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, there's nothing, there's, no, there's nowhere else I go around that I've ever been. I think also, I mean, for me personally, at least, like, I'm, I think I'm, I think I've just been getting better as I age, which is maybe, it's certainly hubris, and it's maybe not true, but, but I feel that way, and I think that, um, uh, like a nice wine? I think that I'm, I'm, I'm more able to find that as I'm older and, and, and more relaxed but you know different I mean different places are different you know fuck what they tell you like different places are going to be are going to treat you differently and I think that like um New Orleans is a place where that really values music um and art because there's not really there's like that's the history of that town there's not really a lot else and I I'm certainly not qualified to speak like conclusively on, on the history or, or even speculate on the future of New Orleans, but it is pers- I can say for me personally has done me really well and has treated me really nicely and allowed me um, to be as creative as I want in any in any mind in you know, any mind state. Mm. Um, I don't think that that, I think that for some people, uh, it can be a really dark town and like, uh, can be like pretty dangerous. Uh, I would say like the, the most dangerous person in New Orleans is yourself for a lot of people. Um, and I, and I would say also for me, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, I don't, I don't feel, I wouldn't feel comfortable staying there for more than a little while at a time. Um, but I think that that's a place that allows like allows art to happen like at 24 hours a day 7 days a week 
of the time. I definitely quiet down in the summer. Or at least that's what I've heard. I've never been there. Oh, I've never really stayed there in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like say move to New Orleans as like a Bostonian or as anybody else. I think that, I think that for me, the, the reason that it worked is that, that just because just, I don't know, it's weird. I mean, it's the kind of place that makes you believe in, um, that well we went down there chris and i of course yeah back yeah, in I wish I, was, I, wish I, was guys. I wish i really wish you were there too but we yeah, we yeah, got to I see hannah barbarian hey we forgive you that's why we're on the phone now Yeah, we, we got a little, I mean, we, we got a little bit, we got a little taste of it, certainly. Yeah. I, I'd wish, obviously, it would have been nice to maybe see a show, or... We did see a show. Oh, we did see a show. I guess... <laughs> Pardon my French, we saw, we saw our show. But I guess, yeah, Boat Boys. We saw our show. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we didn't see it. Yeah. to your... I'm not sure that there's anything for me there anymore. 
hate to say it, you know, I like, I like, I'm really, I mean, I'm not, like, I didn't get famous and, and like, moved to New York, which, but like, I, you know, but I hate, like, I hate the idea of abandoning a place that has, like, made, in part, made me who I am. But I also realize that, like, that is, like, that space is not a space that is, like, conducive to me, for me to, like, be, like, ex- exploratory or creative. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, I turned 30. I'm 30 years old now. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, happy birthday, man. Definitely. I remember when I you turned 28. I think that I can't, I don't think that that's, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that this is the place for me either. I don't know. I was just reading, um, shout out again to Dr. Ennis for the, all the pretty horses on Cormac McCarthy book. And I was like, sitting, I was looking for, I was waiting to cut this wood. And I was looking for the chalk line and I couldn't find it. And I sat down and I had this, uh, the memory of this scene in All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. And I had the book here and I read it. It's like this scene where, um, John Gray Cole is like, he's looking for the owner of this horse. He's just come back into the U.S. from Mexico. He's looking for the owner of this horse. And these guys like say it's theirs and they end up going to court. And he like tells the story to the judge. And then the judge asks, he's like, I'm gonna ask you three questions. And he's like, what's, how many, Takers was the bar, was the, the ranch, what was the name of the cook's what, the husband? And like, you know, just to try to verify the story, like, cause he's like a liar, never remembers. And, uh, and then he asked him to show like the wound, his gunshot wound. Um, and then, and then a little while later, like John Gray calls, like returning one of these horses to his buddy Rollins. And Rollins is like, oh, I could get you a job here. And John Grady calls like, no, this isn't my country. You know, not like country like nationality, but like country like, yeah, country. And then John Grady calls is like, well, what is your, where is your country? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Never find it. I don't know if he says that, but he doesn't know. Mm. And like. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, you know, you're so young. I mean, I don't know. They're young, probably not. Probably get old. But I, yeah, it's weird. I, I'm, I'm going to be turning 30 next month as well. So I, I honestly, I think of it as pretty, like, young. I, I, I don't honestly get the whole kind of, a lot of people our age, even people younger than us, they're like, oh, I'm getting old. I don't, I don't, I don't really relate to that, to be honest. Like, I, I think it's like the, you're getting older, so you have more time to like years to reflect on but I mean Mm -hmm. if people live to be like you know 90 even like 70 you know so 30 is relatively pretty young because I mean just think that's even you know not even half of that so right true Um, you know I mean that's what I think people think Uh, I mean there's obviously like physically you start to feel a little bit older but I mean you might anyway but but like when you're 18, you know, you, you might have you know, you, <laughs> 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 you 
went back to killing it, but, but like, <laughs> like, yeah. um, but you know what I mean, when you're like 18 or whatever age, you can only, you're only going off of that, you know what I mean, so it's like, there's only X amount of years, as you get older, you have, you're like racking up all these, this time that, so I think you start to feel like old, so to speak, mm-hmm. because you, you're naturally, you are getting older, but doesn't necessarily mean that you are old, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, don't I, feel, I feel that way anyway. I don't feel old, but I feel, it's funny, man. I remember the rat and the fuck, and the, when we were touring with the fuck cops, and, and the rat said, said something like, who played a show and like didn't make any money and like drove a long time for it. And the rat's like, man, I'm tired of fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I got, you know, I still feel good. I still feel, yeah. I still feel healthy. Despite my, 